Welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Up we go into time and space. So all of time and all of space are sitting out there. Welcome to Time and Space, one married couple's adventure through the Doctor Who universe. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm Philip Gilfus, her life companion. Since this is our first episode, we thought we would briefly talk about how we came to the Doctor Who franchise and why we'll be devoting a weekly podcast about it here on the Nerd Party Network. And then we'll get to our review of the Series 10 finale, The Doctor Falls. So, Philip. How did you come to Doctor Who? Well, thank you, Ms. Nunn. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember. Well, I know, I know. A, a friend introduced it to me. I'm trying to remember the exact year. But this would have been, I'm sure if I do the math real quick, but it would basically would have been, I think, David Tennant's first series was whatever the year that was. A friend introduced it to me and sort of I um, got a little bit of uh, what he was doing and then sort of did the quick ninth Doctor catch up. And then I still... And then I started to get a little bit of Torchwood sprinkling as soon as that premiered. Um, so maybe that was David Tennant's second year. I'm trying to remember when Torchwood came out. But anyway, so that was sort of got that all at once. So we started from 10 Doctor, went back to 9. And then as I went through it, and I'm trying to remember when it first hit me, because I don't know, like every person that lives in the world, I kind of knew a little bit about the fourth Doctor with the scarf and the old BBC, though I don't can't say I've ever watched it, um, necessarily on the old PBS runs, um, here in America at least. But... The more I learned about it, the more I did want to go back and learn the old sort of classic Doctor Who, if you will. And eventually, you know, in the many decades that have passed since then, or at least one decade perhaps, I started to watch all of it. So I've seen all of classic, I've seen all of Doctor Who, except a little bit of the second Doctor and all of the third Doctor. So other than that, I have seen all of Doctor Who at this point. So um, I'll just want some of them. So I haven't memorized them all. But that's basically where I am. So what about you, Jessica? Where have you, where did you, how did you come to Doctor Who? Well, uh, I came to Doctor Who entirely through you, and it's because for a very long time I had a Doctor Who phobia. Oh. When I was growing up, my cousin was a big Doctor Who fan, and he would watch it on the PBS uh, versions, and the theme music and the hallucinogenic wheel things that happened scared me to death as a child and so I steered clear of it for a long time in fact I steered clear of it for the entirety of my time in England which is a shame now because everybody loves Doctor Who in England except me and then when you and I started dating you introduced me by showing me the 50th anniversary I believe so. I can't remember when, what order I went. Usually, if I remember correctly, I maybe showed you the pilot, or I say the pilot, excuse me, the 11th Doctor's first episode. Maybe I showed that to you first. I can't remember, but maybe it was just around that time. And so, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I, I was remembering the War Doctor mm-hmm. and everybody all together, and we were at the beach, so it was quite, you know, nice and relaxing as a general rule, and you were sort of starting to expose me to all of your strange television 
things that you can you say have. nerd. I, okay, good. I got to all of your nerd things. Welcome to the nerd party, darling. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think it's interesting because for listeners who may not know, uh, my wife Jessica lived in England for eleven years, um, and so you know what what experience did you get with Doctor Who? I mean, was it just ubiquitous, or did you just see it on the telly, or what? Did you hear you know your students going? You know, uh, delete, delete, and eliminate, or I don't know. <laughs> Exterminate, <Yes>. darling. <laughs> um, no, it was sort of ubiquitous in terms of everybody knew about it and everybody talked about it. My students didn't particularly talk about it at the water cooler kind of thing. Um, but a lot of my friends, I knew, I was aware that they watched it, the Christmas episodes and things like that. You know, you'd, you'd hear a lot about it, but because I wasn't watching it, I sort of tuned a lot of it out. Was it like sort of Christmas day was, I don't know if they opened presents in the morning, but, and then watch the Doctor Who special, watch the Queen, call it a day. Yeah, drink heavily through both. Yeah, that's pretty much the British experience, I think. <laughs> now, I thought it was interesting because I once I, you know, I, yeah, I don't force anything on you in our relationship. But, you know, I did, you know, hey, I do want you to watch this, these one or two or three episodes of Doctor Who. But then I think you then disappeared and then gobbled up when it was still on Netflix. All of Doc, all the new Who, as, as we call it on the street, all of new Who, you know, Chris Eccleston and David Tennant and Matt at that point. And so you caught up very quickly, it seemed to me. Yes, absolutely. And I, I don't remember. I think I did some of it on Netflix, but um, also you've got a lot of them. Yes. And so, yes, I pretty much ran through so that I could catch up with you and I think finally caught up with you. After the first season of Capaldi, that's when you stopped watching. Yes. And we picked it back up together. Right. And now it's a marriage activity yes there it is it's very important to have marriage activity <laughs> so so uh you know so through dating and marriage and uh you know we had some uh some experiences but sort of we've done a lot of doctor who things together not just watching the show you know as soon as we caught up right we started speaking the same language at least as far as hootum goes um but we've been took i took you to your first con my very first comic con and what did yes. you cosplay as and i went as the tardis uh my mother who is also the costumer for my theater company made me a tardis dress so uh that's that's what I went as, and you went as uh, Captain Jack Harkness. Yes, I've I've had that trench coat because I've been to, I didn't live there, of course, like you did, but I did visit Wales um, for a week and London. I didn't live in Wales. I know. Okay, um, we should make that clear. <laughs> well, I, you you you're doing this in English, so else we would know we'd have to have the podcast in Welsh. That's true. Um, yes, and I like vowels. So, but um, when I was in Wales, you know, I visited all the spots because, of course, all of Doctor Who and Torchwood is all you know filmed in, in Wales. Um, but it was sort of cool to see the, the Millennium Center. I forget that's what it's called, but anyway, the t- Millennium Tower. I don't know that's what that's called at least in Cardiff Bay. I literally saw John Barrowman <laughs> in concert. In Wales, Cardiff. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how Doctor Who I am. So oh, yes. Well, I have my own John Barrowman story. When I accidentally stumbled across him filming what I think may have been Torchwood on my way to a rehearsal in a castle grounds. Right. So Typical yeah. commute. Typical commute, yes. Typical fan encounter kind of thing. Right. So, I think it'll be interesting as, as we go through the franchise because... 
you know, we're both Americans, of course, but with your more British experience, how you may spot things that I may not always get from this British TV franchise. Yes, and I occasionally know people, for instance, Matt Lucas. Um, I was much more familiar with him than than you were. Right. And then, of course, you know, being here in the nerd party, um, of course, I co-host City Alpha 3 and usually talk, talk Star Trek, um, as well as I talk Star Trek here in, in our home. Um, and then All the time. <laughs> but here with Doctor Who, of course, the nerd party doesn't have a Doctor Who show. And, 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 you know, we have two great Star Trek shows, not only City Alpha 3, but, of course, Punch It, where they do writing about Star Trek. And we have multiple Star Wars shows. But it's time to have a Doctor Who show here on the nerd party. And so... What better way to have a married couple talk about it? There was definitely a niche that needed filling, I think. And then why, Jessica, are you especially excited to talk about Doctor Who in the 21st century, especially in the year 2017-2018? I am especially excited, and one of the reasons for me that I wanted to do this podcast, I'm especially excited about having a woman Doctor Who. Uh, The first time I saw that we were getting a woman Doctor Who, I cheered out loud, which was a little strange because we were just coming out of church, if I remember correctly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, really excited about that. Really excited to see what Jodie does with it. Um, Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And we quickly tried to watch as much broad church as we could and then took a shot every time someone from Doctor Who appeared on screen. And I think we're dead by the end of the first episode. (laughs) Yes, we are now currently alcoholics. (laughs) Um, So, of course, you know, there's a lot to do when you're talking about Doctor Who because you have 50 plus years, 50 plus years. And I think a lot of times I'll talk to people who maybe aren't into Doctor Who and they always find that intimidating. Like, well, I'm not going to go back all 50 years and watch everything. But, you know, you don't have to. You can jump in wherever you can. Some people jumped in with Eleven, Matt Smith. Some people jumped in sort of at the new Who, quote unquote, beginning with Chris and a ninth doctor you know some people go all the way back some people have had it for years but i think that's the cool thing about doctor who you can jump in wherever you want to because with every new doctor it's an opportunity to start again so maybe you know jody and the 13th doctor will be your first uh doctor and, and that's fine you know you'll catch up you don't have to appreciate all the callbacks you can still appreciate it for what it is because you know you uh, you have not seen necessarily all the classics, Jessica? Yeah, I've seen very few of the classic episodes, um, although I occasionally pick them up in pieces when you're watching them. Uh, but one of the fun things about our preparation for this podcast was going back and looking at some of the older ones. Right, and that's one of the things we'll talk about. We're going to talk about episode reviews, though, of course, with British TV schedules, new episodes will be few and far between you know with this i'm sure a six episode run no i'm kidding it'll be at least a 10 episode run is what's being reported for jody's first series as the 13th doctor but you know 10 weeks what are we going to talk about the other uh you know 42 weeks and trust me there's lots to talk about so we'll be talking about you know exploring different doctors exploring different companions um exploring how canon weaves its way in and out of the doctor who universe um you know there's always there's a new shada uh animation which is a old uh, Doctor, well, old. That's a fourth Doctor storyline written by Douglas Adams that was never really completed. They've done an animated version, so we can talk about that. There's big finish audio versions of Doctor Who stories where they the the old the older uh, actors come back for new stories. I mean, there's there's always something happening in Doctor Who, and and whether it's you know talking about the fiftieth anniversary or or you know anything else like Jessica, we what, what did we see the other uh, month at the movie theaters that was Doctor Who related? 
Oh, we saw. Oh, you'll have to help me with this. We did the Mystery Science Three Thousand thing. Yeah, the riff tracks. Riff tracks. Thank of you. Of the very five much. doctors. Yes, yeah. which was very funny. A lot of fun to see in the theater. So I'd never seen that one, and uh, but I found it very funny and a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to it. And I believe we're going to go see the new Christmas Doctor Who in the movie theater, aren't That's we? That's right. Another Fathom event. They, they're always good about doing that. Because I saw the, the... I can't remember if I that was before or during us. Did we see the... I don't know. But I, I saw the 50th anniversary in the movie theater. And so that was kind of cool. I no, mean, you apparently did that without me. Oh, that was with What's-Her-Face. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But anyway, one of the things that we'll be talking about is, you know, we may rewrite episodes. We may play Doctor Who games. Um, and, you know, for the listeners, if you have things, topics you want us to tackle here on Time and Space, please let us know. Um, but one of the things we're always going to try and do every episode is a Into the TARDIS Library section where we try and take our current topic and go back either into, you know, 1960s, 70s, 80s, or 90s, or some other aspect, and try to tie that, tie it, uh, our current topic to something else from the classic Doctor Who universe. Which I'm very excited about. I'm looking forward to learning more about the old Doctor Who. Because the thing about Doctor Who is you can travel anywhere. That's right. Anywhere in time and space. It's in the it's in the name. Let's talk about the series 10 finale, The Doctor Falls. Philip, what were your first impressions of this episode? Well, I can't do a Scottish accent, so I can't give you my impressions. Uh, do, a, um, do a Scottish accent. No, no. <laughs> I mean, this is, of course, Peter Capaldi's last full official episode before the Christmas special. And there's a lot to it, you know. There's some, sometimes this the, the series finale or whatever you want to call it can be dodgy sometimes. Um, but I, after watching it two or three times, I mean, I, I think I, I really liked it. There, there was a lot going on with Bill, with the Doctor, with the Masters, uh, Masteri. I don't know what the plural <laughs> would be. And so, I, I mean, I think it is. There's a lot of heart to it, and, and I think it's actually pretty good. What do you think? I loved it and cried through the first time I saw it and <laughs> wanted to cry the second time. But before I think we get into the meat of this episode, I want to go back to your opinion about Peter Capaldi. Because if I remember correctly, you were not keen on him when he first started. So right. how do you feel about it now? So apparently I like long hair, uh, 12th Doctor <laughs> uh, versus short hair Doctor. Yeah, you know, his first series was, wasn't... My favorite wasn't that stellar, in my opinion. Um, but I think this set, this series, because there's only been two, I think, he really grew. I think the Zygon episode, I think, tends to be my favorite, um, or episodes, I should say. Um, and, 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 you know, I, we, we've talked before. I think we're both fit more fans of uh, Dr. Uh, Bill than Dr. Clara, at least with this incarnation, Peter Capaldi. So, yeah, I, I think he's sort of redeemed himself a lot. And so it's one of the things I'm really not sad to see him go. I don't mean that as a backhanded compliment, but I think he did his time well. And, you know, something to be proud of. Okay, fair enough. And I certainly agree. I think the first season is less about a dislike of Peter Capaldi and more about a dislike of the companion-doctor relationship. It got a little needy there at the end. Yeah, and I think it was um, good writing, better writing this year. I mean, of course, it's usually the same people a lot of times, but but I think they, they're sort of better effort this time. And maybe it was finding the character and 
you know, every new doctor has to kind of find it. And, and maybe they just finally found his voice after a while. Yes. And I absolutely adore Bill, uh, which I think leads us on to our first topic of Bill as a Cyberman. Cyber Bill. Which I'm not okay with. I'm not okay <laughs> with this at all. Right. And so, of course, this is, uh, the even though we're talking about um, the Doctor Falls, this is the continuation of Worlds Enough and Time. Uh, you know, if you're going to part one and part two, it's this sort of part two. Part one ended with, uh, you know, your your typical, stereotypical Doctor Who cliffhanger, Bill becoming a Cyberman. And you're sort of like, is this real? Is he going to save her? And I feel like you just feel that through this entire episode of, you know, is he going to save her? And is she going to be saved? And is she going to die? And and what's going to happen to Bill? And so what were you thinking? I mean, I know you saw it multiple times, but, you know, what, what were you thinking the first time? Did you think Bill was going to get uncybered? De- definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I'm I'm all over the team save Bill. Um, look at watching it again the second time. I really, it was even more poignant to me. Because they keep showing Bill as Bill, rather than as Bill the Cyberman woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that w- that made it even harder. I think that that continues to fill the audience with hope that Bill can be saved by making us see her as she sees herself. Yeah, and I think it's sort of the running thing throughout this episode. It's sort of like... You know, the doctor tells her, you know, I'll fix this. And you sort of have that very powerful moment when Bill was like, you know, did were you lying? And he's like, no. And she's like, but can you? And he's like, no. And so you just have the doctor and just having known all of Doctor Who. Um, I know we have different Doctor Who experiences, but when he loses companions, whether it's for real losing them or just thinking he's losing them, like, like a, in other words, like a, a one that, you know, when uh, Tenet, the Tenth Doctor, lost, quote-unquote, Rose, you know, when she went through the dimension. I mean, later we found her. But, you know, that was sort of a, a you know, a lost moment. But then you sort of had when he lost, quote-unquote, Donna, you know, when her memory went. And, you know, all the times, you know, Clara, blah, 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 throughout all of Doctor Whodom. But anyway, but this one, I think, even though it's kind of stereotypical, you know, do you kill the companion or do you just let her live her life? You know, we, we at least ostensibly killed her, quote-unquote, um, you know, obviously we had a sort of miracle ending, which we can talk about that, but you know, it was sort of a, a, as far as like deaths of companions go, I thought this was a powerful one because you sort of had a whole episode of her dying because she wasn't dead. Of course she was a cyber man, but. Well, and I think that they've hedged their bets, um, because she's not dead. Mm-hmm. She's water girl now. That's right. Water Pud- woman. Puddle girl. Puddle woman. That's right. Puddle woman. She lives in your tears. She lives in my tears. that's kind of creepy. Which is a little bit creepy, but also gives us space to potentially bring her back, even if it's 30 years from now, like Sarah Jane. (laughs) So there's hope, and I live in hope of Bill at some point coming back. Well, well, we know she were going to see her in that Christmas episode. Yes. So I guess maybe someone cries in that one. Of course, and she has her own companion now. Or is she the doctor? It's, we're going to have to wait and see the dynamic. Maybe this is a spinoff. That's right. Puddle Women, the spinoff That's right. from Doctor Who, since class doesn't seem to have gone as well no, as we had hoped. They're not, they're not good for spinoffs. A good, yeah, good, uh, you know, uh, women couple experience, uh, uh, series, you know, it'd be good for the, for the beep. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And I feel like the Sarah Jane sequel oh, spinoff went. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was. And I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. The only reason it ended, of course, was because, uh, you know, Elizabeth Sladen died. Um, you know, otherwise, the Sarah Jane Chronicles, we probably would have gone on maybe a series or two more because you had, you know, kids and they, they grow up and maybe you could have gotten new kids or whatever. But yeah, that was of all the spinoffs. I mean, you could argue Torchwood, maybe, but I think Sarah mm-hmm. Jane was probably, quote unquote, maybe more successful, but I don't have the numbers to back me up. It was certainly longer. Yes. And, uh, but yeah, I think Bill leaving the doctor, because she was there the whole time, ended up helping him, you know, because it, it, it reminds me a lot of times where we have people who've been converted to Cybermen. I'm thinking of, oh goodness, host the late show, James Corden, when he was, of course, uh, uh, in Doctor Who with the 11th Doctor, he got, this is the second episode with him, the Lodger, I mean, this wasn't that episode, the second one, where he got converted, but then he kind of, because of, you know, being a father, or, you know, he's the father of the baby, and sort of blew off the, the conversion, so we've always had, and then, of course, you had the one with um, the Brigadier General um, during the uh, the beginning of, of Peter Capaldi's run when with the first Missy plot when she turned everyone into Cybermen. Oh, right. The death, yes. you know, heaven and whatever. Yeah. But anyway, so anyway, I, we could go through all of Doctor Who. I mean, with 50 plus years, it's always hard to go down a rabbit hole. But anyway, but I, I thought it was a very interesting story, especially sort of have the old classic Cybermen version of her and kind of contrast it with the, the newer versions came along. And, and I mean, what do you think about how what Bill had to go through, you know, this this new life or her death about like the choice of is my mind going to be changed? And then people are children are afraid of me. And then if I'm angry, I'm going to blow things up about showing that experience. Well, I particularly I picked out a quote that where she's talking to the doctor about the change that she's feeling that she's starting to feel in her head. And she says, I don't want to live if I can't be me. And I thought that was such a beautiful moment, not just for her, but also for the doctor, who is already starting to regenerate. We see him start to glow before she even says that. Spoilers. Hashtag spoilers, yeah. So uh, I liked that a lot. I liked that call. Because not only did we say goodbye to Bill, which of course is the more powerful, and I thought, and I don't know that much about Pearl Mackey, I don't know if you do, but I, I think she comes from a more comedic background. But anyway, I thought this was a very dramatic. I mean, this was. I mean, she's. I think she had a lot of good episodes because we all love her as a companion. But I mean, this was a lot to carry. You know, dying, quote unquote, dying, or, or you know, finding out you're a Cyberman. And and I mean, she definitely went through the paces, and I thought she did a good job. With oh, this. I thought she did a beautiful job of it. The whole thing was just. And I go harking back to what you were talking about. I liked the fact that she was a quote-unquote old-school Cyberman. You know, it felt like it was fitting into a canon, which I liked a lot. And they were able to explain it by saying, you know, they're just getting smarter every time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to kind of connect the classic look to what we kind of know here in quote-unquote new who. Yes, although I have to say the old Cybermen look a little bit like uh, sock monkeys. Okay, with a flashlight on top of their head. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which may have been, I mean, let's look at the original Daleks mm-hmm. with the little egg whisker and things like that. <laughs> so that may have actually been what an original Cyberman was. Mm-hmm. And I also like that, you know, there's a lot of ways when you're doing your final uh, Doctor Companion moment. And theirs was... Oh, them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was certainly Bill. Um and their relationship as well. You know, we've we've had so many companions that 
have started to feel like a will they, won't they kind of awkward thing. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that this was kept so clean. Well, it helps that not only, you know, is there, of course, the doctor's, you know, a thousand million years old. But anyway, there's an age difference, of course, not that that stopped him before, but it also helps that she's not into dudes. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. But I, I felt like, you know, this relationship had so much purity to it. I, I love the comment. I forget even the context. She's like, you know, doctor, by the way, you you know I'm all about girls and people of my own age. He's like, yeah. And she's like, I just wanted you to know that. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure you were. Here. Yeah. <laughs> or re- reiterate that. Yeah. Uh, so very excited to move on from one woman character I absolutely love, Bill, to another character I absolutely love, who they killed off this episode, so I'm not really crazy about the whole episode. Uh, but Missy, the mistress and the master together again. Yeah, it was kind of funny when I was uh, thinking about it for a moment. You know, Michelle Gomez you know, has been sort of the, the Missy, you know, mistress character for all of the Capaldi run. Um, you know, all of two years of it or two series of it. Um, but then when we got the master again, and you know, John Sim, and I was like, oh, okay. But then I thought about it. We actually haven't seen him for a long time. I mean, you know, time's a relative term. Ha, ha, ha. Um, but, like, we haven't seen him since the 10th Doctor. You know, there was no Master on the 11th Doctor run. And Mistress was 12th Doctor. And so, basically, here at the end of the 12th, you know, the Master's sort of been gone. I know it seems like, you know, maybe it doesn't seem like it's long. Maybe it does. But, you know, the last time was the 10th, when the 10th Doctor regenerated. And so I thought that was sort of interesting to think about how much we've seen. And, and then, of course, we have, you know spoilers at the end two doctors but now this this was all about two masters and you know the master and the mistress and you know are they the same are they different and, and for those who maybe know all the p- different incarnations of the master we've had throughout of dr whodum it was interesting but i know you like missy so you talk about missy before we talk about the master i do i absolutely love her and there was a part of me that was rooting for michelle gomez to be picked for the next doctor because <laughs> uh, i think she would have just been phenomenal uh, she deserves a spinoff. Let, let's hashtag mistress spinoff. Now, what do you think? Because it seems like this series, you know, we sort of had the mysterious person in the attic or the basement and then it revealed to be Missy. So this was theoretically a series about many things. But if there was an overarching arc, and there may not have been, it was the redemption or the, or the you know, can we get Missy to, to, to redeem herself or, or whatever did, did that happen or what'd you think oh it definitely happened and i think and i've thoroughly enjoyed particularly in this season the dynamic between the mistress and the doctor this whole we love each other and we hate each other kind of thing um, you know, they talk about it. I always wanted you to be by my side during this and, and, and her saying me too, you know, this, this frenemies kind of thing at the risk of, of going very millennial. But yeah, absolutely. By the end, when she kills for all intents and purposes herself, she had absolutely redeemed herself. Yeah. I, I was, I, I thought it was kind of an, an, a throwaway plot point of that the master needs a part for his TARDIS and she's like oh I got it because I told you to have it yeah and then she sort of just you know I think you know gives it to the doctor or drops it or whatever and so I was like well it didn't serve any point the master because he was he was definitely crazy I know the master's always crazy but I mean he's you know think about the whole becoming prime minister and 
having humans from the future come back and that whole weirdo plot with the 10th doctor. Um, and then of course his so- sort of whole coming back from the not dead, because when we say you can't regenerate, that's always a lie. You're always going to come back. Um, you know, the master is that ultimate Dracula figure. who will come back from the mist after you've stabbed him a million times. But I thought it was interesting. You sort of, you know, cause we always have these things about the doctor. Oh, I remember when I knew, I, you were me or I was the doctor. And so we had Missy like, Oh, I remember when I was you, you know, mm. that was always the burning, the fire and, and all that. And so it was interesting to sort of see this kind of, for lack of a better word, just evil master versus a conflicted Missy. Cause you know, you never, cause she's insane. You know, that, I guess that's her, her, her bowl of whatever. And is she good? Is she bad? Maybe she doesn't know. Maybe she switches every five seconds. And so I thought it was interesting to see the interplay between her and the doctor, her and the master, and then the two masters against the doctor. And so it was, it was, it was nice. And yeah, so, you know, she died, quote unquote, they killed each other. Very mastery, I suppose. Um, but, you know, characters don't tend to stay dead in Doctor Who. That's what I'm counting on. Although I suspect it'll be difficult at this point to justify having Michelle Gomez to come back. Yes. Um, but that's what I'm rooting for. I have sent in my strongly worded letter to the BBC already. That's right. With the I maybe this series, and I'm a sucker. Maybe it comes from my Star Trek Captain John Luke Picard in the Next Generation. I always love a good speech of a character if it's written well. And I think the Doctor's had a lot of good speeches this series. You know, like I said, with the Zygon invasion, talking about how he a survivor of war, how he views war. Very powerful speech. But this one. At the end with the Masters, you know, talking about why he does what he does. It's not about winning. It's about being kind, you know, and, and that whole thing about what is the Doctor. Because, if, you know, presumably that's what every episode about, especially when it's your, your, your series finale, you know, what is the Doctor? And, and he actually gives a bit of the Doctor's oath at the end. Um, I think it was when he was fighting the Cybermen, but, you know, without hope. I'm going to do this off the top of my head, so I'm going to get it wrong, but, you know, without, uh, you know, hope or, you know, without, without prom- witness. Yeah, without witness, with, with no hope. Here it is. Without hope, without purpose, without promise of reward. You know, it was the Doctor's Oath we got in the 50th anniversary, you know, um, with, the, with the other Doctors, the War Doctor, the 11th Doctor, and the 10th Doctor. And so, you know, that tradition continues. But And that's one thing that Peter Capaldi definitely brings to Doctor Who. The dude can give a speech. I mean, some of his speeches over the last couple of years have just absolutely destroyed me. <laughs> and I think he has the gravitas um, in a way that, you know, Matt Smith had this lovely earnestness, but not necessarily the gravitas and things like that. You know, same thing with Tennant. He had this lovely quirkiness, but still not quite the gravitas that Peter Capaldi has. It's just beautiful to watch. Yeah, he has. He always. Yeah, I mean, he's older, obviously, as an mm. actor. I mean, so that's not for nothing, obviously. Um, but I think this doctor's always been a little bit more existential, which actually has not been always my favorite. You know, who am I? What kind of a man am I? You know, he, does, he doesn't quite know who he is. I guess he doesn't seem like all the time, as opposed to like you know, eleven and ten and nine seem to know who they were. Whereas the twelfth doctor was kind of looking for meaning, for redemption, and and for whatever. But yeah, I think the the speech he gives about what, who am I? Why do I do these things? This is the th- this is why you know all these things, and so it is definitely much more powerful. And so I guess that maybe takes us to um, the doctor. The doctor dies. Yes, although I do want to go back and touch on the master's best line in the entirety of the season, mm-hmm. where he says with a sneer. 
is the future going to be all girls? <laughs> and the doctor says, I hope so. <laughs> yes. Yes. Lovely moment. Lovely <laughs> moment. So watching this third or fourth time, it was interesting to know, because, you know, having watched it once or twice, that the, cause, because the episode before, World Enough in Time, start, the teaser is the Doctor outside of the TARDIS regenerating. That's how the whole episode starts. And, of course, flashes back. And we have to go through all mm-hmm. two episodes to figure out how we get there. But he actually dies pretty early on in the episode if you watch it. Mm-hmm. It's actually on the rooftop with, when the helicopter's coming. And then a Cyberman shoots him or electric or electric shocks him in a, like a bear hug, electric bear hug which I think was a great band in the 70s. And then, of course, Cyberbill saves him. But I think he dies then. Like, that's when he... Because he, he, then I think you'll notice throughout this whole rest of the episode... His hands glow yeah, and things like that. He's fighting that regeneration this whole episode. Yeah, and I noticed it... The first time I noticed it was when he was in the um, barn, or right after the barn, um, where he tells Bill... She's a Cyberman. Again, obviously. But that was the first time I noticed it and didn't remember that from the first time I watched it. Because he actually sort of gets, like, quote-unquote, killed again. Um, Like, you know, multiple times throughout this episode, he sort of takes all these cyber attacks. um, Not from Russia, but from, uh, you know... He takes all these cyber attacks and he keeps on going. It's like, well, maybe that's the one who killed him. And, like, no, he died, like, 20 minutes beforehand, you know. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, if you go through the whole Doctor Who universe, you know, technically with the regeneration energy, I suppose he can still take it. The final part where it's him alone, sort of being majestic Doctor with his magic wand of the sonic screwdriver, just blowing Cybermen and his jacket, you know, swishing throughout the forest. And then finally pressing the button and blowing up everything. And you have that perfect moment of him lying down in the burnt, you know, and saying, I thought there'd be stars. And then Water Bill and her companion taking him to the TARDIS, and there he is, sprawled on the floor of the TARDIS. And the regeneration energy sort of touches, you know, heals the wounds, and there we go. But yeah, I mean, and so what do you think of sort of the, the teaser? I don't know if you call it an ending a teaser. You know, so he's saying, I don't want to change. Oh, oh, that just, oh, that just really broke my heart. Um. <laughs> I thought it was interesting because this is sort of, Somewhat stereotypical if, if you look at some of the doctors dying. Um, and it reminded me the most of the fifth doctor, uh, um, Peter Davidson, um, or David Tennant's father-in-law, whoever you want to, however you want to call him. When he died, you sort of had the swirly heads of all these people saying, Doctor, Doctor, all his companions, all and even the master at that time. But here with the with 12th doctor, you had all these people saying, Doctor, Doctor. And when I thought about it, I was like, you know, why do we go old school? I mean, it's still new who, um, you know, all 21st century. But like with some of these older companions, and I figured this—it's not only the Doctor dying; it's Stephen Moffat saying goodbye. And so all those companions were Steve, even though oh. some of them were kind of because even Rose, I know, was with Russell, but he was also she was also with Stephen. Um, and so this was all sort of Stephen Moffat's, um, you know, companions. So that's why you sort of had Rose and Martha and Donna and da 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 da. So you had all the the Moffat era people, Jack and and all these people saying goodbye to the Doctor. Uh, even though it's sort of the twelfth Doctor. Interesting. I, I don't know enough about it to have picked up on that, but I thought it was lovely. And again, the echo back to tenants. You know, I I'm not ready to go. I don't want to go. I just 
All the tears. I'll always remember when the doctor was me, so he got the Matt eleventh doctor kind of swirly hand thing going. Yeah. Um, and, and they all have to sort of, you know, they all struggle at the end. I'm Matt or the eleventh doctor didn't because he was died of old age, so I don't think he was necessarily fighting the end. But the tenth doctor, of course, was fighting it. Uh, the ninth doctor really didn't have time; it happened quick. But you know, all of them, some of them fight it, and so you have. The twelfth doctor, not he doesn't want to change anymore. He's tired of being other people. Yeah, well, and he says, "I can't keep on being someone else," mm. which again echoes back to Bill talking as well. You know, so it makes this circle um, as he keeps trying to fight it. Yeah, and then we have uh, no change. This won't do at all. And we have the first Doctor, and then that's how it ends, and that's how we're going to Christmas. Well, the regeneration of the first Doctor, I mm. guess. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> but yes, I, 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 like I said, I really enjoy this episode. It's really one you can watch a lot of, <laughs> again, because, like, for instance, we say goodbye to Nardole, uh, who's been yes. the other doc- 12th Doctor's companion. Who I don't think has gotten quite as much, I mean, he definitely hasn't gotten as much airtime, obviously, as Bill. But um, I really enjoyed him in this episode. In other episodes, I've found him a little bit superfluous, but I thought he did a really nice job in this one. And I kind of like the idea of having more than one companion, you know, so it's not just the just the lady, you know, the the, sem- the quasi-romantic figure sort of had the group. And so Nardole, he, which he surprised me because he was there for the Christmas special with, well, the River Song. That's yes, where it first yeah. appeared. And you thought that was going to be a one-off, just a guest spot. And they sort of stuck with him. Yeah. He rebuilt the android or, you know, whatever he was um, and and sort of stuck with the doctor of this series. I thought he was, it was good. He did a good job. Yeah. He was always sort of that expert in the background, sometimes there, sometimes not. And I like Matt Lucas. Yes. So. <laughs> I do want to comment on the fact that when number one reappears and he's like, oh, no, I'm the doctor. The original, you might say. And I thought, well, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think it's been interesting because, of course, uh, we saw the five Doctors together. Of course, it was the Rift Tracks version. But you've sort of seen someone else play the first Doctor, mm. if you remember that. Um, and so, you know, it was the original companion, Susan, who, the woman who played his granddaughter, was still the first, same actress. Um, and so, I don't know. I always thought he wasn't, he did the job, but, you know, I felt like he wasn't exactly like Bill Hartnell. And, but you, you've all, we've also seen Adventure in Time and Space, which was the special with David Bradley playing Bill Hartnell playing Playing, the first doctor. And so you, you know, having seen him play Bill Hartnell, quote unquote, now you're going to see him play the quote unquote, the actual doctor role. I don't know. I think it'll be exciting. I think, you know, I, I, we can talk about it late, you know, in, in a moment here, but who can the 12th doctor turn to about when he doesn't want to change and to the very first doctor who ever changed? And, Mm. Certainly Bill Hartnell didn't want to go because he was more or less fired, sacked. But, you know, that was sort of an interesting sort of meta experience for the Doctor regenerating. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, I can't wait for the Christmas episode. I'm so excited. (laughs) For all the reasons. All the reasons. Since we have spent some time with Cybermen, we are going to take a trip into the TARDIS library and go back to the very first appearance of the Cybermen in The Tenth Planet, which aired October 8th, 1966, for the first episode of a four-episode serial. 
Philip, do you want to give us the synopsis? Sure. Sure. And this synopsis is uh, courtesy of TARDIS.Wikia.com. So in the 10th planet, this synopsis is many years ago, Earth's twin planet, Mondas, drifted away to the edge of space. Its inhabitants grew weak, so their scientists created spare parts for their bodies. Limbs and organs were slowly replaced by metal and plastic. Emotions were removed. The Cybermen were born. The Doctor's TARDIS lands at the snow-capped space tracking station in Antarctica in December 1986, you know, way in the future. A routine space mission starts going wrong. When the base personnel's suspicions arouse, the Doctor informs them that the space capsule is being affected by the gravitational pull of another planet, a tenth planet in the solar system. The loss of a routine space mission and the appearance of that planet in the sky herald the arrival of the Cybermen, who were intent on the destruction of the Earth and the conversion of all humans into Cybermen. Ben and Polly, the Doctor's companions, fight to save the world, but it is a battle that may be the Doctor's very last. So, it was very interesting to see that the so-called uh, Mondasian, or Mondasian, whatever the, how you describe them, Cybermen, were the Cybermen we saw in The Doctor Falls, the same look to them, and... Uh, sock monkeys. Yes, the sock monkeys yes. with, a, with a flashlight. And that they, uh, they appeared actually... In the first Doctor's last serial, right before he regenerated. Coincidence? I think not, maybe. Ooh. What do you think the tie might be, then? I think the tie is that in the Tenth Planet, um, and for those who uh, can get their hands on it, um, just to let you know, the first three episodes are you are still there. The fourth episode is one of those um, lost episodes of Doctor Who, where the BBC either... Lost them or just taped over them, because that's what they did back then. Although there were bits and pieces of it that were still part of the filming. Right. So you can either get the animated version, um, courtesy of the DVD, or you can get the reconstructed version, which is just going to be stills and audios with some video, but not much. But anyway, it's interesting that the Doctor Falls ends, or begins, uh, depending on how you look at that episode, with the 12th Doctor on a snowy planet encountering the first Doctor, mm. where, of course, the 10th planet takes place in Antarctica with the first doctor about to regenerate. And I thought an interesting part, and we can't we'll go through the whole serial, but an interesting part about the 10th planet, not only with the introduction of the Cybermen, who talk like Bill Shatner, um, <laughs> except more, you know, computely. Um, <laughs> more acting involved. <laughs> um, but is that the, the third serial of the four episodes um, the doctor actually is sort of fall, you know, falls asleep because he's he's been having trouble, you know, and maybe having some health issues. And it's actually funny that Bill Hartnell was actually sick and couldn't be in the third episode. So there's a body double playing him. But anyway, so we kind of get throughout the whole serial hints that maybe something's wrong with the doctor. And then the last serial ends with the doctor falling down on the TARDIS, you know, barely pressing the button to let his companions into the TARDIS, and then he regenerates for the very first time. And so. Maybe part of that time wandering in the snow, he encountered his compatriot, the 12th Doctor. Ah, interesting. Okay. I like that idea, I think. I don't know what they're going to do with it. Well, I, I think if the way this kind of, not only to get the first Cybermen, and, and which, it's interesting, uh, I've noticed in the 10th Planet, and I also did a little research, this is the only time Cybermen have names. If you remember, yes, yeah, and so otherwise they're just sort of cyber controller, you know, Cyberman five two eight mm. member of the cyber union. But I don't know. Well, what would you think of sort of the first Cybermen? Um, they were creepy. 
That was my biggest takeaway. They were still obviously a little clunky, um, but that will get sorted out as technology advances. Um, but they were also a little sympathetic. I mean, their planet was dying. And so, you know, they were, for all intents and purposes, they were refugees. Now, they were hostile refugees, don't get me wrong, but you could feel some sympathy for their plight, um, which I think is the first time I've felt sympathetic for a Cyberman, except with Bill. Right. And it seemed that the same thing that they were pushing, that even the first time we meet the Cybermen, they're always like, what are emotions? You know, that that's the big thing that separates them from us, not only that they're technologically you know, uh, improved, quote-unquote, but they, they don't have any emotions. And, of course, that was sort of the big thing with Bill, you know, the doctor was like, you know, a Cyberman who cries. You know. Although, doesn't Danny become a Cyberman? Yes. And he had emotions, too. Again, that's another example of sort of people fighting conversion. Yeah. So. So this is just the go-to. We need to get rid of people. Let's turn them into somebody cyber. Exactly. Okay. All right. That's right. I so, wonder why the water woman didn't come take her away. Take yeah. Dan. Danny away. Well, maybe he wasn't into guys. She wasn't into guys. Oh, maybe. Yeah. That that seems like not a good reason. No. Well, you know, love, love can be cruel. <laughs> Look at our marriage. Look at our marriage, indeed. <laughs> well, on that note, I think we've covered everything we have for this episode. What would you like to talk about next episode? Well, since it's forefront in our minds at the moment i think maybe next episode we should look at dr regenerations let's go back and see david Tennant crying i don't want to go <laughs> or the uh, very hastily uh part of the sixth doctor's regeneration when it's actually the seventh doctor in a wig it's all very fun i i can't wait <laughs> for that um yeah well, until next time, Jessica, you're my favorite person to journey in all of time and space. Aw, that's so cute. And hopefully, neither of us will be turned into Cybermen between now and the next episode. This is BBC Television.